If you're a dog owner, safety and welfare for your pet is of utmost concern. But there are so many so-called experts out there that many of us don't know where to turn to to get the expert advice that we need. Welcome to Taming the Wild in Your Dog with noted dog expert and author Brian Bailey. In this program, we give you the tips you need to connect with your best friend with the most practical advice. Now, here is your host, Brian Bailey. Welcome, everyone. So you're thinking about getting a dog. Think about either having a puppy join you in your household, or you're thinking about adopting the dog that you saw on a recent post uh, on a rescue page or the animal, your local animal shelter. So many times when people decide to do either, it's, it's a knee-jerk reaction. In all my years that I've been helping clients and giving advice, I find that by far, the vast majority, by far, when I ask them, well, why'd you get the dog? Why, why this breed or why this particular dog? And I would probably say the degree of majority would say I felt sorry for it. I saw it on a Facebook post. I saw it on Instagram. It was on our local town's page. Uh, it, I was visiting the animal shelter. I hadn't really made up my mind, but all of a sudden I decided I just had to have that dog. And we all do that. I've done it. We, I talked about that right before the show came on, that that we've done it. We yeah, have been yeah. emotional and we've made uh, decisions that uh, were a little bit knee jerk. We, I can't, you can't look at a puppy and not go, wow, I want that. <laughs> I when really my, do want that. When my son was uh, 10 weeks old and I brought home an 11 week old Belgian Malinois, you wouldn't call that a knee jerk reaction. I don't think. Oh, I'm thinking and, that was not a good idea. Yeah, I would hope not. <laughs> uh, well, a couple things to think about guys in this, this show today, we're going to focus on what preparation must take place. What do you need to consider before you bring that living creature home? And I think that's the most important thing to, to highlight. It's alive. It depends upon you to make the proper decisions regarding its welfare, its safety, providing for it. It's like a pawn on a chess set. It, it can't do anything on its own. It has to be moved by someone else. And that really, really needs to be taken into account. Uh, so when people approach me and, and tell me, hey, Brian, I'm thinking about a, getting a puppy or I'm thinking about adult adopting an adult dog. Well, the first thing that I talk to them about is want versus need. Now, I, I expand on this quite a bit in a blog that's on our website. And the title of the blog is, is Wise Once. Wise Once. Um, for so many of us, a dog is not a need. You may think you need it, but you really don't need it. It's a want. Unless you have a dog that is a service dog and you have a valid disability, then in most cases in America, the dog that lands in the household is a want, um, which is fine. You may want a car. You may want to go on a vacation, but a dog, let's talk about want versus need. Uh, make sure before you step out there and you purchase that puppy or you adopt that dog from the rescue animal shelter, that you have the means to provide for your dog's needs. Okay. So now again, we've already said it's a want for you, but for the dog, it's a need. Make sure you can provide good nutrition. 
I don't know if you've shopped lately, but I'm here to tell you nutrition is expensive, very expensive. Um, just the other day, I purchased a 25-pound bag of food, and when I walked out the store, $108 short. It's expensive. Veterinary care has gone up as well. Uh, also expensive. You have to give certain vaccinations to your dog. Dogs do get sick. If you didn't think they didn't, they do. Uh, they also become injured. Make sure you can provide exercise for your dog. Granted, some need more exercise than others. Some need a whole lot. Some you can't give enough exercise to that animal. Others don't need as much. I would tell you to base that upon your lifestyle. If you're a runner, a basset hound is not a good choice if you want a running partner. However, if you're not a runner and you walk very slow, then perhaps the Weimaraner or the Vishla or the German Shorthair Pointer may not be a good choice as well because you may not be providing sufficient exercise for that animal. Also, make sure you have trustworthy containment and shelter. Uh, if you live in a hot state like we do, nature prepared dogs for cold. She did not prepare dogs for the summer, for heat. And this goes back to a genetic relationship with wolves in which out in the wild, you cannot escape the cold. Uh, anyone who lives in the northern part of this, uh, of North America and Alaska, Canada and the upper states, you understand this. Uh, people in the south, they have a harder time understanding that. You can't escape cold. It will find you at no matter what altitude you are, no matter how much you try to dig into the ground, the cold is there. And nature knew that. So she prepared her wolves to deal with the cold. However, you can't escape heat. You can simply climb to a higher altitude. You can burrow into the ground. You can wade into a creek. You can do uh, hop into the shade. Uh, many, many, many things you can do to escape heat. And hence, when I care for animals, I always worry more about the months of July, August, and September versus November, December, and January or December, January, February uh, because of that. Make sure you can provide good shelter. Make sure you have good containment. You have a fence that will hold your dogs in. Um, at the end of the day, when you own a pet, you are still a zookeeper. You kind of need to park that in the back of your mind. Whether you, even if you think you are about to adopt or purchase a little person in a fur coat, well, you're not. This is an animal. And animals have to be contained, otherwise you turn them loose on the rest of society. And that's not good for the dog that you're about to adopt or purchase and not good for society. Now be coming up in a later show uh, that we have planned. Make sure you can provide quality time with your dog. What is quality time? That is in short supply nowadays. Gosh, so many people seem so busy. Every time I talk to someone, even if they're retired, they're busy. They're playing a lot of golf. They're fishing. They're going on trips. Everyone is so busy. And I've had people ask me, hey, what is quality time? Is that just hanging out with the dog, watching TV? You know, in a, in a real defined way, I'd like to say it is literally the weeks, months, and years of appropriate training and interaction with your dog that will enable it to fully and safely meld with your family its environment, meaning your home, and with the people and places that you intend to take it. Make sure you can meet those needs before you step 
out there into the world. And then as far as your needs go or wants, think about those. If you are not a real physical person, I don't recommend that you bring into your household a very physical animal. If you are someone with a disability, then you don't want a large dog that can pull you and and cause you harm. If you have children, you don't want to have a dog that is dangerous to children. Need to give all of this a thought and really, really think about it. If you want a large, powerful dog, you need to be strong enough to control it. If you want a dog that has tons of energy, you will need to be physically fit enough to keep up with it or have the ability to use an alternate energy releaser such as a dog park or a dog daycare. And if you want a puppy, he will need patience and the ability to count to 10, trust me, before you act, because they can definitely push you. If you want to own a dog and keep your sanity at the same time, you'll need to make sure you have quality time away from your dog. You cannot have your dog underneath your foot 24-7. They won't appreciate it, and neither will you. So let's start off with puppies. Puppies. Oh, my gosh. I love puppies. We were just looking at a picture of a, was it a corgi puppy? The Pembroke corgi? Oh, my gosh. Most adorable thing ever. Yeah. Nothing but ears and toes. That's all it was. (laughs) Ears and toes. And it was beautiful. There we go. You know, you look at these puppies, and they're so just cute. Oh, my gosh. Cute is not the word for it. But please know this. When you think about the puppy, after you've considered all the things I've already talked about, now think about what puppy do you want? Do you want a purebred puppy? Do you just want a mixed puppy? Really doesn't matter. You just need to give some thought down the road. Look down the road. Not at this immediate moment. There you are staring at it. It's got the big eyes and it's immediately causing the brain, your brain chemicals, the ones that, that is excreted, the oxytocin there for nurturing children. It, it immediately elicits that and evokes that from us. And there goes our proper decision-making right then and there. Out the window. You can't ignore the puppy breath either. No. Oh, yeah, I can. You, you can't, but um, <laughs> okay. So that's up to opinion. Um, But anyway, if you're going to buy a puppy, do know this. After you've made the proper selection and now you're searching for that puppy, any time you get one, it is a roll of the dice. So many people think that money equals a guarantee. That the more I spend on a puppy, the better the chances are, or flat out, it's ensured that my puppy will be fine, that I'll have no issue with the puppy whatsoever. That could not be further from the truth. It hasn't been the case for us, has it? No. We, uh, long, just to make a real long story very short, we decided that we wanted a Doberman puppy. Uh, well, that was mostly the wife, but not me. And, but we wanted the Doberman puppy. Did my homework. Stacked the deck in my favor as best I could. Researched, researched, did all the things I'm about to tell you to do. Spent $5,000. I stacked every box that you could tick that would be on the pro side, doing the proper homework, the the proper due diligence. I did. After all, this is what I do for a living. Fast forward, 14 months later, the dog is on 80 milligram clomipramine. That's a tricyclic antidepressant. Also on 1.5 milligram alprazolam, a benzodiazepine. And it's living with a federal judge 30 miles northeast of Atlanta. Why? 
because this dog was maladaptive. This dog perceived humans, regardless of what size, whether they be a child, whether it be an adult, whether it even be its owner as a threat. And it, re, and it evoked a tool known as the hammer, aggression. And it tried to bite everyone. Well, the dog goes off and lives with a federal judge who says, hey, I need a dog who wants to bite everyone. After all, I'm a federal judge. And the dog has done fine ever since then with her because she has a 300-acre compound uh, that is greater than Fort Knox. Uh, but again, so we've lived it. Just because you spend money, just because you, you, your breeder says everything is going to be great, it's not always going to be so. You need to be prepared for all of those and then just know up front that if you get a puppy, there's no guarantees. Also knows this, newsflash, most breeders, and notice I use the word most, are in it for the money, okay? Uh, granted, there are some who want to perpetuate that particular breed. They are tired of puppy mills. They, they, they're their own advocate group. They are pushing the boundaries of breeding. Great. Love you to death. But I am here to tell you there are many, many more so that are in it for the money. And you can't blame them. That's not all wrong. Uh, if I don't know if any of you are, that are listening have ever bred puppies. It's work. It is a tremendous amount of work. So there should be a payoff. And there's some expenses involved. You may not own the male. You only own the female. So you have to pay for, for fees to impregnate your, your female. There's tests that have to be done at the veterinary's office. There's vaccines that have to be given food. So I get it. But what I don't like and what I want you to be aware of is that many will use the rouge that I meant it because I'm a do-gooder and I want to have great puppies. Again, do your homework and go into it with a realistic mind and, and outset uh, before you get the puppy. Realize that, yeah, it's okay. You, you can make money, but you want to make sure that there is a balance between the two, that you really do care about your product and you really do care about furthering that particular breed, and it's not just about the money. You want a balance. And the only way you're gonna do that, know that is by doing your homework, doing a little research, asking for references. You gotta dig deep, guys. Also, ask the breeder, has the sire and the dam bred before? Are they proven, in other words? Has this particular mother had puppies? Has this father sired puppies before? And if they have, ask the breeder for references. Again, if I'm a breeder, I will provide you with those references. I will not cop out and simply say, I'm sorry, it's private. Well, there's always a means. Let me contact them and make sure they contact you. And then make sure, and I will make sure I follow up and that that is done. So there's no hiding there. Check it. Hey, did you get a puppy from this particular female, from this particular male? How's it going? Do 
your homework, guys. So again, don't knee jerk it. Do your home homework. Also ask the breeder. And again, these are subjective. So you got to just kind of take it all in together. Is the mother shy? And if you have the capability, visit the mother or the father both in person. And if not, through video. Now, video doesn't tell the whole story, but it does tell an ample enough story, especially if you know what to look for. Look for them. If you go to visit a puppy and you're trying to pick from the litter and the mother is nervous, what is nervous? Panting heavily, ears back, eyes wide, body possibly trembling, tail tucked if they have one, slinking away from you. Any of these things, walk away. Hear those words? Walk away. Because it's not the last time I'm going to say it on this show. Walk away. Don't accept any excuse. Well, she's shy. Uh, she's just kind of nervous around people. And I'll get into that a little bit deeper here in just a second here. Um, and then one last little thing before we take a quick break and then we're going to come back and finish up with these puppies. Find out how many puppies are on the ground, how many are in the litter. And then once you know that answer, ask the breeder, rank them. And not just by looks. I always tell everyone, looks do count. I, I, I want a good looking dog. I guess we all do. We all want a good looking dog. But looks won't get you hurt. Looks won't get you sued. They just don't. It's what's in the animal. It's in the heart. It's in its confidence. So again, go ahead and ask the breeder. If you could rank them by heart, by temperament, if there's eight puppies, is it number eight or is it number one or is it number four? And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about being number one or being number eight. And we'll continue to talk a little bit about puppies, and then we're going to move our way into adult dogs. Ah, now I want to bring a large or small, doesn't matter, but an adult dog into my household. And then we'll cover, I want to bring an additional dog to my household. I already have dogs. I want to have another dog. That comes with its own unique sets of problems. All right, guys, so stay tuned. We've got some more talk on puppies uh, when you come back, and then we're going to move into the land of adults. Sit, stay. See you in a few minutes. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. 
Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. After years of waiting, there's a radio show for shotgunning enthusiasts worldwide. Tune into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation for the very best in wing and clay shooting talk. Join Marty and his guests as they bring you hunting and shooting information that you can use. So whether you're a beginner or a seasoned pro, this show can be your go-to source for wing and clay shooting information. Listen live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Taming the Wild and Your Dog. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email if you prefer to brian at tamingthewild.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking about making an addition to our household in the form of either a puppy or an adult dog. I'm joined in the studio here with my wife, Kira, and professional dog trainer, Joshua Huffmaster. Uh, on the board behind us, for those of you that are tuning in on Facebook Live, we have a picture of a female Dalmatian and a litter of puppies. And one thing I want to talk about with that is, as we are now, if you guys can, I highly encourage you to try to physically visit uh, the home or the business in which you are about to purchase this puppy. So you can see for yourself the interactions. And then if not, definitely maybe look on a, um, uh, if they have a puppy cam, something that you can view the interaction between the mother and the pups. But uh, to describe to the people on the radio that are not looking on Facebook Live, we have a female Dalmatian and several puppies, and only one puppy is nursing. That's a bit of a red flag uh, for that particular pup. So, therefore, if you see this, then if you see this many times on the camera, then that is already an indicator as to the temperament and, it, and as far as positioning within the hierarchy goes for that little pup, which, again, there's nothing absolute. Uh, my living is mostly made dealing with maladaptive dogs, dogs that have mental disorders, that have to go on medications to facilitate their behavioral change. So every day I deal with this and and we can track the genetic uh, dogs uh, being maladaptive all the way back to the womb, all the way back to mother's womb. And this right here is a bit of a red flag because as you see, the other puppies are asleep. Uh, There's a pile of puppies. They're all stacked on top of one another sacked out, they've already fed, and now there's this other pup feeding. Why? Because I got the leftovers, which means I wasn't pushy enough to get enough milk to join the, in, do the little dog pile or puppy pile that we see in the picture there. Uh, so again, 
picture paints a thousand words. Definitely take a look at that. Um, also, I was talking about, so now the breeder says I have eight puppies. This one with the blue collar is number one. And this one with the pink collar is number eight. Both of those choices are undesirable for most people. They really are. Number one tends to be exactly that, pushy, number one. Oh, yeah, I've fed. In fact, if you watch on a puppy camera, you'll notice it's the one that typically becomes larger than the rest. It's the fat little one laying there because it's getting more food than the rest. And how does it do that? At a very tender age of four weeks, you will see a puppy starting to bite other puppies because they learn a very valuable lesson in life. Pain motivates. So therefore, they learn because inherently, they realize that they're about to be a part of a world in which it is governed by the law of limited resources. Limited. Now, granted, these puppies don't have a clue that you may be some lifelong benefactor or the breeder may, that you're going to provide this expensive dog food that I talked about. They don't know that. They operate off the same mechanisms that govern other social predators in the wild. The law of limited resources, the evolutionary rule of mine. And already just in this picture, you see it playing out, the rule of mine which if this were in the wild, and I've seen this many times uh, doing research out in the wild with wolves, uh, you can pretty much guarantee that that particular wolf right there, if that were, was a wolf cub, it would be dead by December. It would not even survive the first couple months of winter when there is now a limited resource, meaning the mating pair is starting to regurgitate for the offspring. They usually don't have enough food for all of them. Okay, so take a so now, so why you go to get a puppy, Sometimes number one is not the best, and the runt is usually never the best. Uh, so last is never the best. Don't let emotions, don't let your, oh, I'm rooting for the underdog. Okay, now if you want to do that, that is your decision. I am simply here to make you aware that sometimes, in most times, they actually come with problems. There's a reason why they're the runt, and that means when the that dog grows up and encounters the dynamic stressors of life, other people, other dogs, having to board, having to visit the veterinarian. Science has shown that they develop deeper problems and they're not as equipped to deal with that as most of the other pups in the litter. So definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, moving quickly through this, you want to make sure that the puppies have been handled, handled by the breeder. And also, you want to make sure that they, by after the age of three weeks, that they have been exposed to passive observers. What's a passive observer? Someone sitting on the ground, not really petting the puppies. They're just sitting there. Uh, they're looking over a fence, but they are there. They are strangers, passive observers. If this does not happen, science has already shown, research has already shown, and I will list these, these research, by the way, on our Facebook page so you guys can go there and read the research yourself. But if not exposed to passive observers until they're seven weeks of age, they must habituate to the observers before they approach, meaning they must get to know you. They must become familiar with you. They will not explore on their own. 
This is vitally important, guys, because you're just about ready to take your dog home. Which then brings me to the next major point. Age to take the dog home. Boy, does that vary. I've, I cannot tell you how many times I'm so disappointed to hear when I ask, now, how old was this puppy when you picked it up? And again, now fast forward. Now I'm dealing with a, a dog owner with a two-year-old dog who is now being evaluated to determine if it suffers from a maladaptive type condition. And here we go. I will tell you 99 out of 100, the puppy was either taken from the litter at about four to five weeks of age, or it was taken after 14 to 15 weeks of age. Uh, these are not good. You definitely, the wheelhouse for taking a puppy from a litter for most puppies, again, is eight to 10 weeks. Uh, Dr. Perinodi in, in 2011 did a study in which dogs taken under eight weeks of age showed a negative effect on health and physical condition and weight. They developed excessive barking, fearfulness, reactivity to noises, possessiveness, and attention seeking. And then those puppies that were taken after 14 weeks of age, and these dogs were not allowed to explore new environments, uh, they did not voluntarily do so. And if they were forced, they became extremely distressed and fearful. Guys, I know this to be true. You don't have to be a doctor uh, in academia and research to know this. You just simply have to be around my clients and hear their testimony is true. So try to, if you can, don't let the breeder push you, pressure you into taking the dog early. It needs to be with its siblings. It needs to be with its mother. It needs to be exposed to passive observers. It needs to be handled. It needs to be taken to different settings. Oh my gosh, everyone gets so worried about vaccinations and everything. You can safely take a dog to another setting without exposing it to harmful diseases that, that afflict uh, canines. Uh, so again, they, they, they have to do their work. You just can't have a passive breeder sitting in a little house and saying, oh, I love the puppies. Loving on them and petting on them is not enough. You have to prepare them for the dynamic stressors that affect them as they grow. Not to mention the time that the dog is or the puppy is spending with the rest of its litter, how much it can learn in just a week. We're thinking in human weeks. So what's the difference between six weeks or seven weeks or the difference between seven and eight? They learn so much within a week just being around their litter mates and, and learning different cues. And then they're able to be more social dogs around other dogs in the future because of what they learn with their litter mates. Absolutely. Kind of when I tell people about children, and we talked even last week about tax to children, it's the first three years, all these incredible changes uh, that, that occur that's so rapid. And then from that point on, things just slow down a little bit. They do change, but they just slow down. Uh, the cortex uh, in the dog's brain, the young puppy's brain, uh, is very developed at about eight and a half weeks. Hence why that is one of the best ages in which to embark upon housebreaking. So many people get that six-week-old puppy, and then they want to immediately embark uh, upon housebreaking, but it's very difficult for these young animals. Their brain hasn't developed enough to connect the dots. But at 
anything greater than eight and a half weeks, there is sufficient cortical development to allow for what we call the association of preferred substrates. And that would be, I smell urine in the grass and therefore it draws me to that urine. It's kind of like a, a sign on a door that says the bathroom. And it then evokes the response of micturation in which they, they urinate. So they understand that inhibition of urinating may be desirable. They can connect those dots so they can identify the smell that tells them to go potty. They can identify the surface, the grass, the ground, or wherever it happens to be a pee pad even. And they understand that they're supposed to hold it. That's when they can start to put those dots together. Now, it's going to take several months to complete housebreaking, but at least they can start to pull it together. They have that ability. And those of you that are listening, if you have children, we don't start potty training them when they're just six months old, do we? No, not six months old. No. So therefore, again, why? Why do we wait? Because of brain development. Brain development. Yep. You have to have the ability to understand, the ability to perform. All right. And then one little last thing on puppies. Oh, my gosh. Kara, how many times do we have someone that gets siblings? Often. And often <laughs> they are unhappy with their decision quickly. <laughs> yeah. I tell everyone, because uh, at first I asked them, why did you get siblings. Well, I wanted them to provide company to one another and their brothers and sisters. And I felt bad about separating them. Uh, Hey, you know what? Brothers and sisters grow up all the time as humans and they separate. They go on to different lives. The thing that occurs is that your puppies, that brother and sister will never look at each other as brother and sister. Yes, you are my pack member until we reach about two years of age. At two years of age, you suddenly turn into an opponent, into a competitor. That's what you turn into. You're not my brother or sister. You are competition. Hence why nature uses dispersing as her number one tool to blunt that type of aggression. Hey, Junior, you just turned two years old. Mom and dad are kind of pointing the way to the curb. And Junior, you need to go to the curb. And Junior moves off. And if mom and dad ever see you again, they'll kill you. There's no following kin selection. Be careful about adopting siblings because when you do, you have to keep that in your mind that they will turn into competitors. That is definitely going to happen. Now, what degree varies. If you feel like you must adopt siblings, number one advice I can give you, opposite genders. Opposite genders. Competition is always and always will be most fierce within its own gender. A male will go after a male for reasons outside of food, outside of resources. Same thing, female against female. Opposite Genders, guys. Uh, so now let's move on to adult dogs. Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. Okay. If you go don't ahead. mind. Go ahead. Okay. So I get this all the time. There are breeders out there that have pretty extensive training programs for their puppies. And I get calls from prospective clients who are interested in our training programs, but they've put a deposit down on a puppy and they're conflicted. They don't know if they should go with the breeder's training program, leave the puppy with the breeder, go through their training program, or should they go get the puppy at eight to 10 weeks and 
come to a training program with us. So what would be beneficial or detrimental about leaving the puppy with the breeder to do a training program? I think you have to do your homework. As long as the breeder does their job, meaning they expose the puppy to vehicles, riding in a vehicle, going into, into stores, uh, meeting strange humans, as long as they do their job and they continue to push the boundaries of learning, meaning there is no such thing as stagnant learning. There's no flat line in life unless you're dead. So you're either learning something good or you're learning something that we would find undesirable. Make sure they're pushing that learning. And if they're doing their job and they are doing all of the things I just said, there is no harm with leaving that puppy with the breeder until it has reached the goals uh, set by the owner or by the program in which they've selected. Do you have anything, Josh? No, I don't have anything on that specific matter. Um, but I was going to kind of talk about, you know, the day you bring that dog home. I get the question a lot of, of so do I start training like right then, right? Like as soon as we get home and I always say, no, 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 no. Let the dog adapt to the new environment. You just plucked that dog out of the only thing it's ever known and just stuck it into your house. And then now you're going to start putting demands on the dog. It's not a really good way to start out the relationship with that, with that canine. But it's a question I get a lot, a lot is, is how early do I start training immediately? And I go, yeah, immediately, but not immediately <laughs> the moment yes. you get home as soon as possible. Yes. Uh, I've had some really good friends over the years, a lot of European friends uh, that are just incredible competitors. They are, they've won the Budensieger, which is like the Super Bowl of Schutzen, you name it. And one thing to a person that they will always advise, whether they are placing an adult dog into a household or they are selling one of their puppies, is, Brian, don't push the transition. <laughs> always, <laughs> always, always don't push the transition. And we'll, we'll get a little bit more into that in just a second, but, but definitely good advice there. Okay, when you're thinking about adopting an adult dog or even purchasing one, many adult dogs are available. First thing I want you to do, guys, is always ask yourself, why is the dog available? Now, that especially asks that if it is at a rescue that you are adopting the dog from or an animal shelter. Why is it available? Why is it there? Now, unfortunately, you don't always get that answer. It was a stray dog. But that right there is a red flag. Again, there are millions of successful adoptions from rescues and shelters, and then there are a million more that are not successful. How did the dog end up there? So do your best to try and find out a little bit about the dog's history, meaning, did it bite someone? Is that why it's here? And what did it bite? Was it an adult or was it a child? Do we, have we tested the dog? Has anyone bothered to test a dog around children? to see if it is okay with them, comfortable with children? What about with other dogs? Are we going to be okay if we bring this thing into our household and we already have dogs? How about health issues? A lot of times here in Memphis, we have dogs that are heartworm positive. And then the owners don't realize, wow, how labor intensive that is and how expensive it is to eradicate it. And then I think one of the more important things to ask is, can you return the dog? Is it okay? But again, and I know a lot of places have that, but my gosh, people will not take advantage of that. Once that thing is home, 
I spent the night with them. They have this attitude that, Brian, I made a lifelong commitment to this animal. Well, that's fine. I appreciate that. And I'm sure the animal appreciates it as well. But many of these who are saying that have children. And the protection of my children should, should come first. The protection of my family. So, guys, we'll get back into that a little bit deeper. And we're going to talk about when you adopt one dog, meaning it's going to be the only dog in your household. And then we're going to talk about, oh, I already have a dog or dogs. And I'm going to add another to it. Ooh, lots of do's and don'ts involved with that. So stay tuned. We're going to come back and talk about that. Again, if you guys have any questions, give us a call at 866-472-5788 or send us an email to Brian with Y at TamingTheWild.com. All right, guys, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Until then, as always, sit, stay. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Join Chris Epting every week for the moment. Chris talks to some of the most amazing people you'll ever meet, including authors, artists, and athletes. And that's just the A-list. These celebrities and public figures have interesting stories that all showcase the moments that their lives took a certain dramatic turn, changing them forever and shaping them to be the person that they were meant to be. Listen for The Moment with Chris Epting, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Taming the Wild and Your Dog. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email if you prefer to brian at tamingthewild.com. Now back to the show. All right, everyone, we've been talking about bringing a, a new dog in our household. Uh, we, the first part of this show, we covered puppies, and now we're into adult dogs. And we talked a little bit before the break about one dog, bringing one dog into your household. Now let's talk about bringing a dog into your household that already has dogs, occupying it. 
Uh, I, wow, I probably get this question every other day. Every other day, Brian, I want to get another dog. Or I already have two dogs or three dogs or four dogs. What could I have done differently? Because I have a real mess right now. My recommendations has always been and always will be this. Number one, by far, I've already said it, opposite genders. I cannot say that enough. Opposite genders. And if you can't get that thing done, then give me a great disparity in temperament. Give me the one and give me the eight. Because the one isn't going to give a hoot about the eight. Because eight is not my competitor. I own that thing. I've got my thumb squarely on that. I control it. So, therefore, give me a great disparity in temperament. And if you can't do that, so now I'm, I'm getting two males or I'm getting two females. And, oh, my gosh, fine, they're about the same. You know, they're, they're pretty much they have a moderate temperament, so on and so forth. Now, what I do? A great age disparity. And what is a great age among dogs? A minimum of a seven-year difference. That's a great age. Three and two? No. That's kind of like a 30-year-old human and a 40-year-old human. There's not a great age disparity there. Great age disparity, seven-plus years. And if you can't get that thing done, then do me a favor. Give me a great size disparity. Now, when we had our German Shepherd Dax when he was alive, and we had our two Morkies, I remember the first time he laid eyes on them. His attitude was, <laughs> what the heck is that? Who cares? <laughs> Excuse me. He never cared about them, never gave him a sideways glance. Sure, one of the Morkies was a male like him. One was a female. But by golly, as long as he roamed this earth, if he met another male dog, even close to his size, mm -hmm. it was an immediate fight. It was an animal wanting to attack the other animal. So guys, try to do that. Opposite genders, give me a, if not, give me a great disparity in temperament, age, or size. And then, if I had a dollar for every time someone walked in here and asked me or told me or requested, hey, Brian, I need you to help me make these dogs get along. Well, I always reply, I am so glad you said that because that's what's going to happen. You're going to have to make them get along. Training guys, I'm throwing this out there. If you hear it different, I tell you what, you put that person in touch with me. Training does not create compatibility. It doesn't make Fido like the other Fido. All it does is manage Fido hating the other Fido. I want to kill the other Fido. Training enhances your ability to be a good zookeeper. So instead of putting one dog in a pen, one dog in a room, you can now have them both out because you can say, you lay down and stay there, and you lay down and stay there. Now, there is a ripple effect that has occurred. Over time, welcome to dogs. Here's a neat thing about dogs. They will not continue to repeat any behaviors they have no success with. So again, I start to move towards the other dog. I get corrected for doing that. In other words, the cost of that movement or that response is greater than the benefit. Most of these animals will just give it up. They may not like one another, but they will tolerate tolerate. And that's a key word there. Another misperception that we have, 
is meeting on neutral territory. Oh boy, that's the tail of the tape. That's, there you go. It's all good from there. Oh heck no, it is not. Neutral territory is exactly that. Neutral. Unclaimed. Unclaimed, baby. <laughs> it is neutral. It does not. Let me say that one more time. It does not guarantee success at home. You know what your home is for you humans and for the dogs already occupying it? I borrow the phrase when, from Edward O. Wilson in his book on human nature. It is the invincible sinner. It is the place on earth that nowhere like it is more vigorously defended. Look at all of the rights we have as Americans regarding our home. It is our castle. It is everything. So that dog who met at the park, he said, nah, you're fine. May not be the same dog when that strange dog that it met at the park suddenly walks into the kitchen where it eats. So guys, be wary of that. And it doesn't just mean your home. It can mean, hey, guess what wasn't at the park when the two met? Treats, toys, food, the sofa that we have at home, the bed that we have at home. I pointed out before, I'll do it again. Competitive aggression is the number one reason for attacks, period. Always has been will be as long as I'm alive and anyone listening is definitely as long as you're alive. Do you have something to add? Oh, you look like you have something to add. Okay. Just listen. There you go. Well, good. Very good deal. Okay. At least I got one listener in here. <laughs> All right. Um, and then as Joshua talked about earlier, acceptance is everything. When you bring that new dog into your household, it's going to take time. Dogs thrive on the familiar. The familiar even when dogs come in here for a board and train program, for the first couple of days, if they're not used to being here, they've never been here before, what are they doing? Clicking their heels wanting to get back to Kansas. There you go. They're <laughs> clicking their heels trying to get back to Kansas, but they have to go through the great and powerful laws to get that thing done. Uh, it's the way it is, guys. We're no different. Right now, think about yourself. You suddenly get a job change, and they're going to send you to Istanbul, Turkey. All righty, you're going to be a little stressed as well. You're going to be clicking your heels trying to get back to Kansas when you can't uh, speak the language and you don't know the culture, where you're going to live, where, how do you get to work, so on and so forth. Don't push the transition. Don't push it. All right, Carrie, you, a couple people have written in and they had questions when they knew we were going to do this episode, right? They have, yes. And one of them is from Evelyn. She asks, is it okay to swat my puppy on the fanny with a rolled up magazine or newspaper when I catch them doing something wrong? Do they still have newspapers? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> She's using her tablet? She's using her iPad or the smartphone. What is she using? Okay, uh, I'm just going to kind of throw that out there. You know, welcome to life. You're a human being and humans respond in different ways. But no, I'm not going to advise that you do that. There's a, a whole host of problems that come with that. Uh, dogs learn by signals. They don't have the ability to use language. And therefore, they gauge 
gestures, any movements that we make, they learn them, they store them, they put them in a box, they put them in a category. And you suddenly reach over and swat. And I don't care if it was with your iPad or what it is with the newspaper. You do that and you run the chance that any movement that looks like that could be interpreted by the animal that that is going to end up in possible pain or, or it's going to frighten me. So, no, I'm going to be stand out here and put N-O to that Not a good question. idea. Not a good idea, Evelyn. Okay. I have another one. Okay. So there is a breeder who suggests that it is best for you to have your new puppy flown in because you are, in essence, rescuing the puppy from a horrific situation, as opposed to going to the breeder and picking your puppy up because they say, in that case, you're kidnapping the puppy and it would just be better for you to have puppy flown in so you're rescuing it that's real someone actually said that that? yes that is i think that is an extreme anthropomorphic version of what's going on with uh okay um well that that's a whole show by itself we should Uh, just skip that one (laughs) (laughs) well let me just put you this way wrong uh, if you're thinking like that, then I hope that you don't give any other advice. No, there's no way a dog is going to perceive that you are a rescuer or you are a kidnapper. Thank goodness they can't do that. Oh, my gosh. I will say, I will say real quick that when we do have uh, clients come in and drop their dog off, I always walk the dog away from the client rather than standing there saying bye to the client as they leave because I've seen in the past where the dog will become like obsessed with that certain door that the family left out of not really necessarily thinking that the family's still there or anything, but they think that's the the go-to or or anything like that. They make that association. So maybe you could draw a comparison there, but I don't think you're going to be seeing that with any puppies. And people, you know, when they have children in the very first time, they drop them off at a daycare, the child screams and cries and the parent screams and cries. It's all a mess. It's, uh, It's blubbery stuff everywhere. But then two days later, you drop the child off and, uh, bye, you miss me? Uh, remember me? Was my name Skip now? Uh, the child's gone because why? It is familiar. It is familiar. So, no, I'm sorry. There's nothing to do with kidnapping so or rescue. you can either go get your pup or have it flown in. Either Amen. way. Go, there you go. Yeah, either way. It's going to get it done either way. That was it. All Those right. My questions. Uh, speaking of flying. Most airlines, if you do plan on picking your dog up at an airport, um, make sure that you check in with that particular airlines. Every airline now has completely varying varying policies regarding flying, transporting the dog, whether it be with you while you're flying or whether you're just simply transporting the dog. Uh, I have I have had dogs flown to me for many decades now from overseas, very long flights, Amsterdam, Germany, London, you name it, uh, all the way here to the United States, not an issue one. More of an issue when it's an adult dog and it's more of an issue for the people that are handling the dog. Um, There was an instance in which one time, unfortunately, during the flight, the large uh, solid black German Shepherd got out of its kennel. And so when they unbuckled the cargo door where the suitcases are stored and everything, the gentleman who did that was immediately confronted by this very large, solid black German Shepherd. And he said he almost fell off that conveyor belt that the suitcases go down. Um, But no, I've never seen or or, uh, had an issue with that. And if we do, well, we probably already have an issue with that puppy to begin with. And that wasn't the, the straw that broke the camel's back. All right, guys. Uh, so that kind of wraps up today about 
bringing another dog into your household, bringing in a, a puppy. Next week, we're going, we've, we've had a lot of questions coming in. They're starting to pile up on us. So we're going to kind of do a little bit of a mixed bag with a whole lot of questions and answers. But our main topic is going to focus on dog parks and dog daycares. Are they still a good choice? Have they ever been a good choice? What are the pros and cons? What do you need to look out for before you elect to take your dog to a dog park or to a dog daycare? All right, guys, I hope it's sunny wherever you are. If not, smile anyway and bring a little sunshine into everyone's life and reach out there and give your dog a pet. Now, that is something they'll appreciate, but don't do it with a rolled up newspaper. We'll see you guys next week. Check us out at TamingTheWild.com. Send me an email, Brian with a Y at TamingTheWild.com. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join host Brian Bailey again for another edition of Taming the Wild in Your Dog next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Your dog's welfare and your life may depend on it.